we have our relationship on the same level of importance as our work and as the children. Of course, the energy, if we don't do that, the energy doesn't flow. Wherever I bring awareness to, energy follows. So if I want to have a different outcome, if I want to feel fulfilled and connected with my beloved, then, of course, I want to bring energy to the relationship. So if you look at the relationship as an opportunity to transform and, and grow, because I'm fine in the forest by myself, <laughs> you know, it's when I'm, when I'm triggered and it looks like it's over there and really it's my trigger, so. Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on a relationship but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Dr. Elsbeth and Freddie. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us on our podcast today. Oh, so- you're so welcome. We are delighted to be with you. Great to be here. You guys look great. Thank you. You guys do too. And and so we've got we've known you guys for a pretty long time. Uh, but maybe you guys can introduce yourself to our audience. You know, how old are you? How long have you been together? And what do you do for a living? I'm 25 years old. No. <laughs> Yay! Great. 25. Okay, Miller, the 35 okay, darling, you want to stop? Sure. Yeah. My name is Freddie Zental Weaver. Uh, I am. I'll be 64 years old next month. Um, and 65. 65, excuse me, 65. Yes. <laughs> who's counting, right? Yes, who's counting? You lose track after a certain age, you know. Yeah. And um, we've been together for 20 years. And we have, have had our Tantra Nova Institute here in Chicago uh, for the last 20 years. And we uh, started, we're now all over the world doing our work. We've been uh, working with couples and singles and uh, teaching them practices of how to work consciously with our life force or sexual energy to get more deeply connected to what we most deeply desire and want to create in our life. Um, So I was first introduced to these practices that we teach when I was 13 years old. I was living in Hawaii. My father at the time was a practicing psychiatrist, and I at 13 was going through my puberty and spending a lot of time in the shower. (laughs) So my father took pity on me and gave me a book to read on how to integrate meditation and sex practices, sexual meditation. Probably thought I was going to hurt myself in there. And well, I loved it. My girlfriend loved it. My athletics improved. My academics improved. I went on to college on an athletic scholarship. And subsequently, after college, I taught school for a while. I was in software business for a long while uh, in San Francisco. And when I first started that work, I'd continue to do the meditations and practices and read books and do workshops and 
you know, what I knew about this work was being inspired about my life. And after 15 years in that industry, uh, the software is, I was not excited about my day. Uh, so I was looking to reinvigorate my, my life. So there was an opportunity in Chicago. Company hired me, moved me here. That was 20 years ago. I was single at the time. So I was online looking for a Shakti, a female tantra partner for one of the original online couples. Uh, and Elsbeth had her profile online. And so we met and we almost immediately had this baby 20 years ago in this tantra nova. And um, we love what we do and really excited to see what opens up for people. We do these practices and we're constantly in the work ourselves. So we're excited to be here with you guys today and share more about that. Great. That's awesome. And Elizabeth, what, what was your journey? Oh, quite different, Dr. Ray, than Freddie's. I wish I would have had a dad who would have given me a book on sex consciousness <laughs> when I was a teenager. But far from it, I grew up in Germany. I'm one of 10 children, a religious background. And uh, so although when I hit puberty, I really got interested in all things sexual to the chagrin of my parents, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so I came to the United States in my late 20s to do postgraduate work in music. And then from there, I did teaching in a big uh, Boston public school, not public school, it was a music school. And then I got my doctorate in education. And then from there, I moved into management consulting. And that all was in the 90s. And I had gotten really good at the consulting part, however, was miserable in relationship. I had this pattern of attracting unavailable men. And while that was exciting at times, most of the time I was alone. And there came a point I vividly remember when I got very despaired, like despaired over not ever having lasting intimacy in my life, like the emphasis on lasting, because I did have intimacy and love in my life, but I was not able to sustain it. And that was the moment when I said, okay, Elspeth, you need to change something. And that brought me to delve deeply into the practice of meditation and then Tantra. And that learning and opening and healing was so powerful that I decided to leave the consulting work and start my own business. And through that healing I experienced through the Tantric work, I had become available. Um, and six months months later, Freddie uh, showed up in my life. And, you know, mm -hmm. ever since we have been together, and it's such a privilege to work together, just the two of us, uh, of you, you know, being a couple, it's so beautiful sharing with other couples, because both the feminine and masculine is represented in the listening, in the speaking. And uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, we are excited to share more uh, with you and your audience today. <laughs> so, you know, it's been my experience that our, our sexual energy and our spiritual energy come from the same place. And so when we have sexual wounds, I think they're the deepest wounds that we can have. Is that what you guys have experienced or seen in the people that you work with? It's really a question of, you know, what you already alluded to, the um, sexual, spiritual connection and integration, which is so alien to our culture. Mm 
you know, because sex and the spiritual are not supposed to belong together. One is very much our earthly being and the other one is our heavenly being. And um, to at the same time, you also said, you know, they they really belong together. Um, I don't know if they come from the same place, but they complement each other. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the North and the South Pole complement each other. So we can look at our spiritual self and our sexual self like these are these two poles. And if we uh, grow up, as most of us have, that they don't belong together, it's like the South Pole and the North Pole are getting torn apart, you know. So uh, the the work that we share with couples has much to do with for each individual and then together to tune with that beautiful sexual self that is our life force expression. Without it, none of us would be here. We wouldn't be talking here. Nobody would be listening to us. To connect with that and you know, move it to our spiritual self and then drawing from the spiritual self down into our sexual self so they can communicate with each other. They can imbue each other and they can come like like a marriage, like a oneness, you know, while they feel different, have a different feel, but they complement each other. Do you want me to say something? Yeah, I want to add, Jean, to you, you know, some of the deepest wounds, sexual wounds. So whatever the wounding is, if we're in our sexual selves, and a lot of it happens around our sexual because we're in the sexual, and then we have all these expectations, and then the other brings what they bring, and then we're hurt in some kind of a way, you know. And it's much more deeply felt because when we're in our sexual energy, we're more open, loving, vulnerable, receptive. Chemically, we're changed, more oxytocin, endorphin, serotonin. So we're totally in a really open place, which is different from where we live in that left calculating Machiavellian brain analytical self. And so when we're wounded there, it's very deeply felt which is maybe part of why there's been so much restriction and and, uh, vilification around the sexual, because it is so loving, you know. And when I think of spirituality, before we had language and had any idea of spirituality, the sexual took us to that place, that little death, that little mindless oneness of of creation. So what we're teaching are practices, the yogic uh, energetic practice of how to tap more deeply into that energetic place that sexual leads us to align with intention of what we want to create, whether it's freedom around a restriction or a a, a hurt sexually or uh, something you want to create in your life. I was wondering if you guys can talk a little bit about what Tantra is, because I think people, they have a very misconception of what that word means and what the practices are that you guys are referring to. It's a very old practice, correct? Right. It's an ancient practice that comes from East India. There's also a form of Tantra that originates from uh, China, although it's called then the Tao of sex. Um, I'm so glad you asked because mm-hmm. while Freddie was speaking, I thought that too. You know, we should actually say a little bit more about what's Tantra, you know. Mm-hmm. So Tantra is the energetic yoga while um, Hapa. it's 
of the no tantra is the yoga of the energetic body that is what i want to say while hatha yoga is the yoga of the physical body most of us are familiar with the physical body yoga you know that we can learn at every corner now where there's a yoga studio Tantra yoga focuses on the energies that run through us at all times. Without it, we wouldn't be alive. So life force energy emanates from the base of the spine and then moves up in a turpentine way to the top of the head and back down again. It does this all the time, all on its own. We can liken it uh, with blood flow. The blood flow, we don't have to plug ourselves in to the outlet in the morning for our blood flow to to flow, you know. And as the veins and arteries are the grid for blood flow, the nervous system is the grid for energy flow. And given that none of us has learned about human energy, we may have learned in school or college about, you know, electrical energy, Uh, nuclear energy, but curiously enough, we don't learn about human energy in biology class. I didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, although it's the most powerful energy there is because it brings forth life. Nuclear energy is powerful too, but it cannot bring forth life. So we want to learn and tune more with that wonderful life-giving energy that moves through us all the time and only can move with the breath. If we don't breathe, we die. It's obvious. So if they go together in dying, they must go together when we are alive. And that is what we put to use here. So in the practices, we learn how to listen to our breath, to breathe consciously instead of just reflexively, which is a good thing that we breathe reflexively, otherwise we would suffocate or not have enough oxygen. So we learn how to breathe breathe consciously because then with the breath, I can move energy, move energy into my fingertip, can move my aroused energy from my sexual center up into my heart center or in my third eye center. And you may get already a sense of how energy can then move through me and be experienced not only in the area where it emanates from, but all over. And that brings us then to orgasmic energy that can be moved throughout the body, throughout the being. It can be moved with a beloved where we can be in a circuit. And of course, then it becomes very blissful. You know, I've noticed that um, when we're young, when our sexual energy begins to uh, open up or turn on, we, um, it's very physical, it's very much more physical. And, you know, I'm, I'm 54 now, and it's becoming much more spiritual. And in between there somewhere, you know, between like 30 and 50, that's where it really seems to be on more of an emotional level that, uh, you know, the, the, the wounds early in life are physical and then they're emotional with our partners. And we see a lot of couples that have kind of just shut down sexually. You know, there's, they're, they're overwhelmed in their lives energetically. You know, they've got kids and jobs and they don't spend time together and there's no feeding of the relationship. There's a breakdown in their communication and, and then they start sleeping with their kids 
for comfort, but not each other for sexuality and love and bonding. How would you describe that process or that kind of developmental cycle? Yeah, you know, couple. we've been together for 20 years and we've been through all kinds of variations in our relationship, but we've always stuck to our relationship. Um, and I think what happens for a lot of folks is that they we are not um, taught how to handle the emotional ups and downs of our lives, you know, because, you know, you're kind of bought into this world and we don't choose our parents. And then, you know, all this stuff happens and we, you know, are making decisions out of survival, a lot of it instinctually. And then so when we get married, we start repeating unconsciously all of that stuff from our relationship, from our family. Uh, and so what we aren't really trained to do are shown practices to do are how to manage this emotional piece, this physical experiential piece, this story belief piece, and then this witness piece. This witness piece is where we can actually watch all of that other total felt sense of a story or an experience and then begin to move slowly with with ease, grace, and flow towards what we most deeply desire. And that's what these practices are about because we're more than all of those experiences. And that's where I think many couples get stuck. So they go to the kids for comfort because that's just a natural thing. And even though the sex may wane as we get older, you still can do a lot of things to connect and feel whole and nurtured. And that starts to disappear because I think people start to shut down because we're overwhelmed with all the old stories and all the make wrongs and all the only if you did this, we're like subjected to our own lives, you know, <laughs> you know, and so that's what we see open up for people when they start doing this work is they start to really see choice in their life. Yeah, you said earlier, Gene, that, you know, we have so much training in many other areas in your life. We never would go into a career without extensive education, training, mentorship, and so forth. Relationship, we just jump into it. And this is not an individual thing. It's a, a collective thing that we haven't considered that, oh, there could be just a relationship training over time, not just one shot. And, and, and yeah. that is while I was so, you know, I had never learned about it. And when I met Freddie, I said, you know, in our Tundra school, let's identify the principles and practices that bring forth relationship on an ongoing basis, <laughs> you know, and we cannot sustain what we don't know. Uh, you know, the feeling when we fall in love is so strong. The hormones are high, the newness, you know, we are so in love that we really cannot see the other person. <laughs> Well, who he is or she is, but it's just so wonderful. But when I fall in love, I don't know what I do or what I did, so I cannot replicate it. And if we just talk going back to the the couple cultivation, you know, what is so sweet about Tantra is that there are very particular practices long before we jump into the bedroom. Yeah, if you could approach the relationship as an opportunity to uh, be in a transformational place, yeah. you know, because that's really where the where the rubber meets the road, yeah. where we can really start to so transform. Let, let's give some practical. Can we do that? Some practical. Yeah. Uh, sure. oh. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have some practices that we call tantric quickies, and that's not a quickie when we have a sexual encounter. It's. Connection quickies. A connection encounter. 
and it can be done in a nanosecond. So, for example, um, there is this heart-to-heart -heart connection mm -hmm. where we just place our left hand on each other's heart and we look into each other's left eye because the left eye is correlated to the right brain hemisphere and that's the hemisphere where we feel where we are playful artistic experiential versus the other hemisphere which is linear trying to figuring it out you'll never figure out a relationship you know but you can tune with another and that is what this is about and so what we do here is we just gaze into the left eye and we connect with our breath, you know, so we're breathing parasympathetically. So as opposed to sympathetically in the upper lungs and chest, we're bringing the breath consciously down, uh, trachea, lungs, into the diaphragm and ex expanding the belly like a big balloon on our inhalation. So we are breathing in. And on the exhalation, Freddie exhales and sends his love into my heart center. When we inhale... We then I receive, I receive Freddie's love through his hand. Exhale, we send. Inhale, we receive. While we gaze, and sometimes we just even close our eyes. However, the breath is synchronized. Breathing in together, receiving. Sending on the exhalation. And that's, it's a love circle because the heart is the center of love, the frequency. So that really gets us out of the head. And when we have differences, you know, I'm very much in my head. I'm justified that Freddie did something wrong. I'm right. Definitely he is wrong. And that doesn't open up anything. So what the practice does is it gives us a break from that story making, from that righteous, you know, indignation about someone's doing something to me. And then from there, you can make a request or let it go or whatever it happens to be in the space. But what always shows up is an okayness, a stillness, a savasana, just the breathing and being, yeah. which is always there. And, and I would say the love, because that's the only place where we can reconcile within and with another. And the choice. So that is like just as what I said earlier with, you know, through the breath moving energy. So we can also do this in coitus, mm -hmm. you know, where we are in embrace. And then Freddie breathes up his wonderful energy from his sexual center into his heart center, connects from his heart center to my heart Where I center. I can send it here, the sixth chakra. Yeah. Breathing in, sending, or sending and yeah. breathing in. Yeah, I like particularly being connected in my heart because mm -hmm. that is where I find myself. So when he comes from his heart into mine, then not only my heart opens, but also my sexual center opens. And then we have a circuit that I spoke about earlier where we are in this blissful circuit together. We breathe together. The synchronized breath al allows for a sense of becoming one. And once we are used to it, it just really takes a nanosecond and the willingness to go there. And this is what we teach in our workshops. And we teach this to people who are familiar with meditation or not familiar. It's a matter of your willingness to learn and put yourself into it. And once you do, anybody in a body can get it. And a lot of the stuff and the issues and the things that show up in relationship just disappear or they become something very approachable. Yeah. For, for couples. You know, one of the things that we say a lot is that having a relationship with a committed partner is one of the most difficult things you will ever have to do in your life just because of the, the amount of work 
that is necessary, right? Just uh, over a long-term process of being in a relationship with someone. Um, and, and when I'm kind of listening to a lot of the practices, what, what you guys are talking about here, I, I hear common, normal couples out there saying, that seems like a lot of work, right? It seems like just you have to spend a lot of time connecting. And it seems as though our culture and our society today, it doesn't support that. What it supports is this quick, get get my needs met right away, you know, and, and I don't have time for anything, you know, in that society, in this society. And unfortunately, a lot of couples, they don't actually get to the point of working through their relationship over a course of 20 years, right? Because they, they ditch out too quickly. And yeah, then the, they, they start that process over again, right? With someone else. I, I won't yeah, exactly. Know. Wherever you go, there you are, you know? And it's like, oh, well, it was her fault. Now I got a new level. And now it's her fault again. And the one yeah. constant is me, right? <laughs> yeah. So COVID's been really good, though, because people have really had to slow down yeah. and be confronted with themselves, you know? And so this work, I think, is going to become more and more empowering uh, as we continue to, um, you know, move on and expand. So if you look at the relationship as an opportunity to transform and, and grow, because I'm fine in the forest by myself, <laughs> you know, it's when I'm, when I'm triggered and it looks like it's over there and really it's my trigger. So, right. So also, you know, it's like, unless we have our relationship on the same level of importance as our work and as the children, of course, the energy, if we don't do that, the energy doesn't flow. Wherever I bring awareness to, energy follows. So if I want to have a different outcome, if I want to feel fulfilled and connected with my beloved, then, of course, I want to bring energy to the relationship. And energy always has to do with awareness, attention, focus, um, a time. I'm not saying that it has to take up a lot of time because when I connect with Freddie like this, we can have this right now. That's the, just it's, minutes. We bring our focus to it. You know, it needs to be practiced a little bit. Yeah, there needs to be so some practical. Yeah, I was going to say, probably you have to practice it multiple times, you know, and make it consistent yes. throughout the relationship for it to have that spark really quickly. And, you know, we do this like we do it daily. Just Freddie comes over to my desk, he places his hands on my chest, mm -hmm. one in the front, one in the back. I'm very busy with the computer. Da, da. Why? You know, but we have the agreement that when one comes to the other like that, we take time out, even if it's just 30 seconds. But in those 30 seconds, we are totally there. You let it go. We breathe together. The computer disappears because I say so. You know, I'm committed to that. And so I, I just want to bring this uh, to couples here that it's not all a matter of time, but a matter of focus and willingness. Can you guys speak to um, when you were showing us the exercise, you talked about bringing energy up. You talked about connecting through the heart. You talked about connecting through uh, the, the third eye. Um I would guess that there is a biological thing happening on different levels with different hormones. And I know that, you know, we practice this as well. And it just, when we have days where we have to get out of bed really quick in the morning, you feel off like all day. And I, I know there's like a, a oxytocin thing going on or something. You can just feel 
safer and less anxious in the world when you have that, that bonding time in the morning. But I was curious about those three different centers, if it feels different and if it's, I don't know if you know any biology that goes with that. Yeah, I think in general, the biology is the endorphins and the serotonin, the oxytocin that happen when we breathe parasympathetically, particularly. So that's when we bring the breath down in the diaphragm and we extend the belly. Now, for most of us, we can do that for about three breaths before our mind starts to wander, get busy distraction. Um, so as we continue to focus in that kind of breathing, we start to, the, the people say to me, oh, my mind's too busy. I, I never could meditate, you know. Well, the mind's not going to stop. But what we can do is learn to watch the story like a, you know, story floating down the river without the total felt sensor buy-in of the story. And that's what starts to evolve. So in the morning when I got to get up early or do something early, you just put your hand on your belly and you do 10 belly breaths. Takes a few seconds. Okay, so let's go back to the to the what you the three centers mm -hmm. because there's a distinction between men and women um, and i'm speaking like in men and women but the same applies to same-sex couples actually um, because in every relationship there's one more uh, particularly in the sexual intimate realm more in their masculine or yang uh, uh, place and the other one in their feminine or yin self. And so the one who is more in the yang, usually when they want to connect, and often it's the men in heterosexual couples, not always, but most of the time. And that bounces back and forth even. Yeah. And so the so uh, when a man wants to connect or the one who is more in their masculine, uh, they start feeling it in their sexual center. Most women or the one who is in their feminine starts feeling it in their heart center. So we both want to connect, but we are just like two ships passing in the night. He's coming from here. I'm coming from there. Hmm. So in the tantric practice, the man learns how to breathe up his wonderful sexual, powerful testosterone energy into his heart, fueling his heart becoming more connected to his love energy, which actually integrates him first and foremost. And then from there, he can connect with her heart. And when she feels connected with her heart, her sexual center opens. So that it's very essential to know that because many couples who come to us, they love each other deeply, but some there's somewhere a disconnect. And it has to do with the difference in masculine and feminine energy where masculine energy is you know getting easily excited uh, and uh, quickly erect and then drops quickly the energy while feminine sexual energy rises slowly hangs out we don't know if it's coming or going you know however when it's reawakened it can come up to a plateau and then stay on that plateau for a long time multiple orgasms, orgasmic waves. So we want to meet on that plateau instead of having this. He came and went. Literally and figuratively. And he's yeah. hanging out there. So we really want to come to this where he can hold space, breathing up his wonderful energy into his heart center. In that sense, she can open up because she trusts when he encounters her like that. And then they ride the wave together right you know so you asked earlier dr ray what was tantra and so tantra is a lot of things you know 
Uh, and one of the main primary edicts of all the variations, we're Tantra Nova, Tantra Nu, so we're in, integrating aspects of the East and also aspects of, of Eastern yoga, the energetic yoga, breathing and meditation and inward looking, and also aspects of the West in terms of generative language, how we create our reality and language, uh, creative self-discovery, how we discover ourselves in the creative process, some of the more Western approaches to transformation and seeing something we don't see about how we're creating our life. And we've created Tantra Nova, Tantra Nu. Um, so, but one of the primary edicts in all the variations there are, and there are many, is for the man to learn to separate ejaculation from orgasm because that begins the process of exactly what Elspeth was talking about, where the man begins to bring consciousness to this unconscious aspect of his sexual being. And um, so we integrate those practices with the sexual energy, with meditation, aligned with intention and seeing. And then once you start learning all these different gymnastics, you're able real quickly to drop into some of those quickies that we talked about and get nourished again and revitalized and energized. Uh, and so it's a three-day workshop that we take people through typically, or we work individually with people. Um, but we, again, the results have been wonderful. Now, now, we know that as the body gets older, we go through biological developmental stages, right? And I was wondering if you guys uh, can comment on any differences in you know, ages, as we age, is there any sexual developmental stages that we go through that you guys notice when you're working with couples? Mm -hmm. Sure. So we come from that uh, pleasure can be achieved through three different ways. The first one is mechanically, like a vibrator or a massage. That's a mechanical kind of raising the energy, you know, which always has to do with raising blood flow because blood flow, greater blood flow brings forth aliveness and aliveness then brings forth pleasure. Pleasure doesn't happen, you know, without increased energy flow. The second one is chemically like popping a, uh, a pill or something like Viagra. This is why they invented that, which brings blood flow to the magic wand, the penis. Um, they haven't been as good uh, with that yet for women. It'd be a little bit more complex, I think. But anyway, it's that we can do it chemically uh, or take another form of uh, drugs, you know, to get us high. Um, the third one is energetically, and that is where we come in. Um, it's not that it wants to be cultivated. It's not like popping a pill. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when we grow older, we really want to look from all these three aspects that we tune with our energy. And Jean, you know, as you said earlier, the older you get, the more connected you become to your spiritual self or the spiritual. And that that we shift over time, again, as you said, from a physical to emotional and then spiritual. And so at the same time, there are other dimensions when we talk about the chemical, you know, to consider if there may be some hormonal therapy that has helped me a great deal uh, to, you know, bring the spark back in terms of that physical sense, sensation, uh, of course, connected with the energetic and the flowing and the connecting. 
Um, so I think that we want to really take that into consideration. The third one is to really look at where am I in my conversations and narratives? In my head, are they conducive to connecting in love? Or am I coming from, oh, I'm not wanted, or it's just over for us? Or you, We can have a lot of deadening conversations that are not conducive to connecting, to being alive, to be joyous, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, as men get older, you know, young, you have lots of testosterone energy and the lingam is always hard at the blowing of the wind, you know, <laughs> and as we get older, you know, that energy wanes. Uh, and even young people now they're finding are uh, having ED problems because uh, of the uh, masturbation online. They're deadening the, um, a lot of guy, young guys are deadening their, their, um, their, nerve their nerve endings on their penis from masturbating so much to the pornography. I see the pornography as kind of uh, part of the social cycle. It's like we're now that's available. It's like you know, the little kid who says, you know, can I eat, uh, you know, uh, my dessert before my dinner? And you say, okay, go ahead. And they eat all the cupcakes and now their stomach is sore. Next time you say, let's try some vegetables. They say, okay. You know, so now it's like people are gorging themselves with, with, you know, there was a guru I used to follow. I still do. He's gone. But he, when his people would come to study with him, he would have them be in a room and have sex for like a week. And after they were all worn out, he would come in and say, now we meditate. You know, it's like people have to almost gorge themselves, which is what they're doing now to get now to more subtle levels. So my point here is that even with a, a soft on or, a, you know, a flaccid penis or lingam, one can glean pleasure from that. And once you start tapping in the way we're teaching people to tap into uh, energy and sexual energy and pleasure, that starts to become much more available. Um, so even an older, older, older person who might have an ED issue in a physiological sense can still gain pleasure from a soft on. Uh, you know, and again, as Elspeth said, there's things that guys can do with, um, you know, hormonal uh, treatment stuff or, you know, surgery even or uh, Viagra or pumps. There's lots of things they can do to have a harder lingam. But even without the hardness, there's pleasure even just in the breeze, the breeze on your on your arm, you know, or just the smile of a rainbow. Things become much more brighter as we tap in more deeply to that kind of a, uh, awareness. It was an interesting thing. I just, I don't, I don't know if I read it, heard it. I just, there's always so much content and I, I need to get better at, you know, so, sourcing these, but someone was talking about your heart and how your heart fills up just like our sex organs do. And you actually get a full heart when you are doing that kind of breath work and that bonding and connection. Absolutely. So I know exactly what you're talking. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's available to anyone who does the practices. Yeah. And then just to, you know, go back to what you opened up in the beginning to, you know, this can just as much open mm. where we open the portal literally mm. to the unified field, you know. So now, of course, all of what we are describing here requires attention, time with yourself, time with your beloved, um, you know, growing older avails us these questions and inquiries further because things may not work so easily as they may have worked when we were 25. However, we need to go there. Whatever, 
you know, uh, growing or maturing offers us is that we want to transmute that into our own experience. And so we come back to these three anchors again of the physical, sexual, emotional love and mental spiritual that then become integrated. And yes, of course, we may want to spend a while, a few weeks or perhaps more into the exploration of the heart center or as I have been doing it into the exploration of my connection with consciousness, not only my personal consciousness, but consciousness at large, so to speak, you know, frequency uh, that, of course, then opens up new worlds. And, um, and yeah, I think there's so much beauty in maturing, like in oneself and then in couplehood. And, um, yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, uh, Freddie, you were talking about uh, pornography and I was kind of, you know, surprised to hear you say that it's a cycle and that we are coming back to now people really trying to connect at, at that more uh, organic level of connecting with, with their partner and not going to pornography, you know, for this external type of, you know, pleasure. Um, it seems as though sex has been married more with shame and, you know, insecurities in, in our society. And it seems like this kind of work is, it really brings out a lot of that, those past wounds and, and that shame. And I was wondering if you guys can comment a little bit about, about that and how your work helps people with that. Yeah. Um, that's a good, a good question, Ray. And it's really very poignant for people because as I said earlier, that we've all been subjected to some form of repression around our sexual selves or embarrassment or shame or something, uh, and some more than others, you know, of sexual abuse and so on. Um, so when we start to learn these practices of meditation and particularly coupled with a sexual practice, then people get confronted. And it's only in the witness that we can start to, you know, sift through, move through, be with all of that emotional, energetic story stuff that shows up. Um, you know, so that's really the opportunity. I see it as an opportunity to really yeah. get past something that is pervasive societally and individually, and through the through the confronting it allows us more freedom and flow. Yeah, I in our lives. I like instead of confronting, I would like to say like going there and opening up into freedom. I like that word too. I like that. You that's know, so that given that it's a collective heritage, shame, fear, and guilt, it's not my own. I learned it from my dad, from my mom. They learned it from their parents. It's passed on generationally. However, the healing can only happen one person by one person. So it is my opportunity to open up move through shame into the freedom where bliss shows up. And uh, it's a very unique solo journey because while another may be able to hold space for me to move towards shame, but the moving through it is over here. He cannot, very cannot do it for me. Of course, he can be instrumental in holding that space for me 
like another who may be there who may embellishing my shame because they may not you know have freed themselves from their shame so then we are oh <laughs> you know right, but it is very a very personal journey and i want to just say here that it's worth traveling uh, that journey because there is so much joy and bliss and ecstasy on the other side that it's phenomenal <laughs> when we are um bombarded and confronted with images and violence uh hurt feelings we go into that fight flight or freeze and we do the the opposite we fold in and we shut down and we you know close off and with physical pain it's advantageous to avoid it it's a good idea not to drop a hammer on your toe right, mm, right. but with with emotional pain it's advantageous to lean into it Mm-hmm. And, and to and to open that up and and to unpack it and take a look, is there a different function that happens spiritually? Mm. You know, I wonder what you just said if that is so, because like if the hammer fell on my toe, I can be just either resisting that pain, or I can breathe into the pain. Just as a heartache, a heartbreak, you know, can I can either resist it or then armor myself like that freezing mm-hmm. thing, um, or I can feel into it. So in that sense, for me, that's a spiritual practice, both with my toe as well as with, the, you know, which is all about letting go of resistance to what is Hmm. and when i let go of resistance it actually hurts less Mm -hmm. very curious the nervous system shifts it's like you know in the end we have we all let go and it's inevitable for all of us so the best preparation for the end is to learn to let go of resistance and then move with your with your focus towards what you will Mm-hmm. And it's like all this work is about that practice. And it's like Einstein said, if you study nature, you'll know everything. And it's like that seems to be in line with everything about nature and the universe. You know, it's all about existing. And there's, you know, it's like uh, the equation of space, you know, there's more space than anything else. So if you put space to anything in this life, that seems to sort of add up to an easier flow. <laughs> yeah, So, so I think... Also, in terms of relationship, perhaps the maturing in relationship has also to do with being willing to be with what is without expectation. Now, there's a difference between expectation and intention. You know, I may have the intention to embellish our intimate sexual experience. However, if I bring myself with great expectations that it should look a certain way, that it should feel a certain way, I will be greatly disappointed. However, when I hold like an intention, that is what I want to deepen into with my beloved. And that creates the context. And I allow myself to be surprised by what may show up. And it may be very different than what I thought it should like, but very pleasurable or joyous. 
So why I bring up that word expectation has to do with pain. Because when I expect something to be a certain way or that I should feel a certain way, that can produce then pain or discomfort because I may not feel like that. My body may not be in line with that. You know, my sexual center, my yoni, as we call it uh, in uh, Sanskrit. Sanskrit, in the tantric realm, which means the sacred space of a woman, she may not be up for it. And I cannot force her. What I can do is listen and ask her, what would you like? And out of that, I can ask Freddie to touch her or to hold her without expectation. And then she may awake in the middle of, wow, you know, when I thought nothing was going to happen. So that is, again, back to flow, where we come into flow versus resistance versus um, suffering. You guys have been together for quite a long time. You said 20 years, is that mm -hmm. correct? Yep, 20 years. And you guys have been married now two years, is that correct? Three or four, three No, years. no, I think it's it was three years, 18. Three. Three. Can you guys, I'm just curious, can you guys talk a little bit about that journey and being together so long and then, you know, just in the last years here, you, you guys decided to get married? Mm-hmm. Do you want to say, I, I'm happy to say something. I'll say something and then you can say something. Okay. Well, you know, we were together and we never really thought that we had to get married, but now with the business and property and, and all of our stuff integrated, we're getting older. It's like, it's just easier for taxes. It's easier for if someone passes away, it's easier with social security. It just, in terms of the business thing to get married and then be, um, have that that legal stuff flow a little easier that was the big reason and then any excuse to celebrate you know <laughs> we went to california we went to the wine country you know oh, you know this so now every day is a honeymoon you know <laughs> so freddie's so prosaic you know so <laughs> so for me it, it and for me it ultimately has something to do with commitment mm -hmm. you know and for me i i didn't need to have the formal you know, legal stamp uh, for my commitment to flourish. So I felt very married actually to Freddie long before we actually got married. And then when he asked me, just like, oh, that's very sweet. You know, uh, it was like, like, you know, just further deepening the bond that was already there. And yeah, celebrating was definitely a part of it. Now that you've been married legally for three years, do you feel a difference than not having that formal commitment? I don't. I mean, I always felt the same, you know. We, we're still on the journey, you know. Um, you know, it's never like it was. It's never like it's going to be. It's like it is. So all of the work is about being in the now, you know, and that's always the opportunity. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so I, for me, it's really that question of my declaration that I live in, which is that uh, I'm with Freddie until one of us leaves, or both of us leave this planet, and that is my context, my intentionality, and so the the with the legal part, it was just great to work on like another project, 
you know, like getting that marriage license. And then afterwards, uh, a year later, we created a living trust together. You know, it was like further solidified. So there were other other dimensions that we added to an already beautiful, committed way of being with each other. In that sense, to your question, yeah, I think there is further solidification and grounding and deepening. Uh, yeah, it was. I was just curious about that because some of the podcast topics we've talked about in the past is that you know the millennial generation actually has the the lowest uh, divorce rate, but they also have the lowest marriage rate. That a lot of them in that generation are not you know committing formally to each other, and they're just kind of cohabitating. And in fact, a lot of them are keeping everything separate, keeping their finances separate keeping their assets separate. And so there isn't this union that is being created. And so, you know, a lot of a lot of times in the work that we're doing with that generation, we see that there's a disconnect emotionally, but also because of those physical disconnects that are occurring in their relationship already. I think the whole marriage thing needs an update in terms of the the, the agreements. I have this whole idea called the agreement. So what the agreement is, is you would, uh, each of you would look at what you really want in the relationship, and then you would work that out, and then you would sign your name to it for a period of time, say for four years or five years or six or 18 years if you want to have children or whatever it might be, and then you would, at, at you know, at, at certain points, you would renegotiate it. Okay, so after it's been five years, so I want to be, have an open relationship now. Okay, or I want to have a polyamorous relationship, bring somebody else, or I want to be, but not, whatever it might be, and that's just one example, or bring, you know, combine our money or, you know, buy a house together, whatever it might be, little things can change in the relationship, but to be able to renegotiate it, because um, a lot of it's kind of patriarchal too, you know, till death do us part, it's kind of the man, the woman serving the man in a lot of those vows. So I know people do write their own vows, but I think that the whole idea of, of the commitment could be something that could be expanded on consciously. I, I've often felt the same way because, you know, it is an agreement between two people. And if one of the persons wants a different agreement, you know, it should be able to unravel. It's That's important. Yeah. Conscious, conscious it's uncoupling. Terrible yeah. With that. Yeah. And I think it then puts a more of a focus on that daily work, right? And the mm-hmm. daily commitment, renewing that commitment every day. And it's right. not something that you make that commitment and then you're held to it for the rest of your life without really actually investing, you know, in that relationship. So um, we agree that, you know, it does need to be uh, kind of re-updated, as you said, right? <laughs> yeah, what if a couple came together and said, okay, let's just be together for three years, but in that three years, we want it to be a transformational, you know, experience. So you confront your jealousy, you confront your anger, you confront your possessiveness in all of the dy- dynamics that you can think of to do it that way. And you come out a wholer, more grown person. Mm-hmm. And you might choose to stay together, you know, because then you could actually be who each of you are within the relationship. And I think that's what gets lost. I mean, I think the biggest thing to learn in a relationship is how to allow the other to be totally who they are yeah. without our egos or our expectations or our bullshit getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I think people break up and leave. Now, you mentioned the word polyamory and open relationships. And, you know, when when we're talking about this, this deep connection with a partner that takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of uh investment in that relationship and i was wondering if you guys can talk a little bit about 
you know, what your thoughts are about polyamory or even an open relationship and how that fits in with that commitment and the connection, bonding. the bonding and, and that, that sexual energy that needs to be, you know, nurtured in a relationship. So there is no cookie cutter approach. I think that is what we are seeing more and more that people really look at, you know, what is important to me and how can I co-create my relationship? There is room for my expression, perhaps beyond my primary partner. So I want to qualify this a little bit because sometimes I hear that when, you know, people start a relationship and then it's, you know, like, don't know, perhaps I should be in an open relationship. And I said, you know, you just started this relationship. Creating relationship, just as you said, Ray, takes a lot of time, focus, learning about myself, being triggered, you know. Why don't you practice it for a while in a one-on-one relationship? Hmm. And then when you have a solid foundation, Hmm. then look at, you know, to bring someone in or you have the agreement that both of you have a relationship with another outside of the relationship. You know, that all can be created based on the wishes, the desires, but it needs to be done consciously without lying to each other because that's the beginning of the end. Mm. Or it could, we could say a great deal of hurt arises when, you know, someone does it behind the other's back. Betrayal. You know, there's distrust then. And um, so, but it needs to be done consciously and not just like, because I want to leave the back door open. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that is at times that people, they avoid the focalized presence with another in what that may bring up for me, because as you know, it's not always comfortable. And to be willing to go there and practice there. And then, you know, as I said earlier, if the, once there's a foundation which has to do with trust, that there is trust here so that one or the other, when we bring it up, you know, oh, this is, and, and bringing it up that you want this first to your primary partner, you know, so that you, because that's the creation here. So do we want to expand the creation? And then how is this for the other? Mm-hmm. And can the other hold space for that? Can they take it on as an opportunity versus a predica- predicament? Yeah, we've been yeah. in a lot of different ways in our relationship. We've been monogamous. We've been open. Uh, you know, uh, and when I, there was a time when I wanted to be with other women and Elspeth was, went through what she did and then she allowed me in our, within our relationship. And then more recently, she wanted to, and then um, now we're in a very monogamous thing, and we're loving it. And uh, so, you know, 20 years, like I said, it's never like it was, it's never like it's going to be, it's like it is. So how can you have the emotional tools to be able to be with all the stuff that comes up on this journey, you know? It's, we come very much from relationship being a creation, Mm. a conscious creation, where we have the opportunity, each of us, to grow, personally develop, and relationally develop. And 
So it's we need to be clear where our priorities are. You know, I wouldn't want to go to someone else because I am not complete here. And I think that is something to be really looked at. We go back to that concept of, you know, in the physical, we want to avoid pain. In the emotion, we want to lean into pain. And I think in the spiritual, we actually want to create pain. And I, and I mean that from the sense of pain is like a seed cracking open and an opportunity for growth. And a lot of religious practices have things like restriction of the diet or giving up of something to create an uncomfortableness to allow that. And so, wake up. yeah. And, you know, this was, this was really great. I'm so glad you guys shared what you did and just want to ask you a final question. What is it that your partner does that you know they love you? Oh. Huh. So one thing is that that coming, Freddie coming to me and connecting with me, it's like a touch point, you know, where I just know he's there for me. I don't have to niche initiate it I don't have to ask for it he just gives it to me it's a gift and that is one of the many signs <laughs> that are there that I feel loved by my beloved mm-hmm. uh, you know Elspeth is just a loving person she is just where she is is how she is everywhere and um, so I, I see her with others and I see how she's been with me for the last 20 years. And I can be, you know, I can be a handful. <laughs> and so, and she's still loving me and, I, you know, making my green juice in the morning and, you know, folding my clothes and, you know, rubbing my head and, you know, uh, running the business. I mean, you know, and she's just um, doing her life, you know, and I'm just uh, privileged to be a part of it. So I know that she... She loves me. We're still together doing our thing. And um, yeah, I, it's every day, all the time. I get I get her love. That is wonderful, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if, if our listeners want to learn more about Tantra Nova, um, where would they go? How can they get a hold of you? Yes. So um, tantranova.com is our website. T-A-N-T-R-A-N-O-V-A. Tantra Nova Supernova. Yeah, tantranova.com. And, um, you know, I don't know if we can do that, but we would love to give the listener a little gift, which is the practice that Freddie spoke about, the conscious breathing practice into the belly that allows us to come to stillness in ourselves where intimacy arises. So if we just forward the link to you and I don't know if there's a place where you can sure. Yeah, we can put that in our show notes. Oh, Absolutely. great. Great. Yeah. Thank you very well, much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyone interested in there, remember the uh, the web address is tantranova.com. Okay. Well, Freddie and Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. This has been really wonderful. It's always wonderful talking to you guys. Likewise. <laughs> Yeah. And this whole COVID thing loosens up. We should uh, get together for some coffee or something. That'd be wonderful. That would be wonderful. Maybe some, yeah, some stew would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it seems like um, we can ask, what can I get? Or we can ask, what can I give? And 
I think we get so much more when we do the giving. Mm-hmm. Yes. We get yeah. so much less when we do the wanting. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we want to wholeheartedly thank you for joining us today and also for your list, our listeners listening to Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. You know, sharing stories has been happening since the beginning of time to help people bond and heal and grow. We hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Hmm. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and a program such as Relationship 101, Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.